Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, this is Donna Freeman from Yoga in My School and this is the Yoga in My School podcast and I'm so happy that you could be here today with us um, on a really important topic. We're going to be getting into loss and grief in a few moments and um, this is such a huge topic but before we really get into that I wanted to send a couple of shout outs to some amazing people who have shared the, our, our most recent episode, the one that looked, we went into sensory processing with Britt Collins Feist. And so this was shared on Facebook. We really appreciate these people with Just Breathe Mindfulness Foundation and an Apple a Day Yoga. So thank you so much, you guys, for um, finding value in the podcast and for letting your communities know about it. Really appreciate that because that it truly is the lifeblood of the podcasting world is when people decide to share the work and the message. And, uh, and thank you very much. So this is the Yoga in My School podcast, where we empower you with all things yoga and youth and mindfulness related. Um, and we are getting into, as I said before, the topic of loss and grief. And this topic actually came to my attention yet again, where recently, uh, one of my teacher trainees wrote to me, and she said, uh, I was worried, wondering if you have tips on how to help a seven-year-old deal with anxiety after her dad passed away over a year ago, and she is worried that her mom is going to die too. Uh, and this wasn't the first time that a, this type of question has come across my desk, and so I sent her the resources that I had, possible books to help, um, breathing techniques, and, and mindfulness tools that I knew of, but then I got thinking, I went, hmm, there are people out in this wonderful world who have amazing expertise. And the um, if you're not part of this group, you probably want to be part of this group, but the Kids Yoga UK group on Facebook is very active and their members are so supportive and a huge shout out. Um, I'm, I'm on that group on a regular basis. And I thought, you know what? I bet you there's somebody over here who who would be willing to share of their knowledge and their expertise. And lo and behold, you better believe it. We've got Sally Eccleston, is that how you say this, Sally? Your last name? Yeah, Sally Eccleston. Yeah. Eccleston. Yeah. Fabulous. And she is an <laughs> educational psychologist. She is the founder of Yoga with Sally. And she teaches family yoga, kids yoga, adult yoga. She does yoga with all ages. And uh, we're thrilled that she's joined us today to talk about this important topic. Welcome, Sally. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Can you maybe provide some highlights? of your professional and personal background to give people a kind of a, an idea of who you are and some of the pivotal moments that have led you to today. 
Sure. Um, so I've been working with young people since 2011, and um, I definitely gained a lot from working in a primary school um, here in the northwest of England. Um, it was a primary school in a, a fairly deprived area of Manchester, and I was working with children um, up to year six, children with additional needs. Um, and those two years that I was working in that school, that really taught me a lot about forming relationships with young people, um, how group interventions can work, um, the cultural, ethnic diversity of the school and uh, how much that can bring to you as a professional. Um, so that was, that was definitely a highlight. And that kind of set me on a path of really um, being really passionate about education, but also about psychology and what psychology can offer to understanding the development of young people um, and different populations that we find now in schools. So I was there for two years and I then got a place on a doctoral course training as an edu educational psychologist. Um, and the year that I finished that program, I decided to do my yoga teacher training. Um, by that point, I had built a personal practice of yoga um, and I decided to go to Thailand to train. Um, so that was a, a quite an intensive uh, month long course. And really from then on, I wanted to blend my interests and my passions. Um, and I'm an avid believer that yoga is for all. It shouldn't be narrow to certain sectors of the population. Um, and I have then, have since then completed trainings with special yoga, um, also kind of moved around the country a little bit. Um, and I'm now offering yoga to families and also yoga therapy for children with additional needs. So it, for me, my, my personal experiences of um, yoga and mindfulness and also just kind of the transitions in my life and um, going, going with that change um, has, has really brought a lot to me, both personally and professionally, and just trying to kind of offer out what I've managed to learn from a, a huge range of different teachers and also professionals from psychologists to yoga teachers. So yeah, that's a bit about me. Fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we're going to get right into this topic because I know it's a big topic and we could spend um, lots of time here. Um, but when we're, when we're working with uh, students and maybe we don't know their backgrounds, you know, they don't all come with a dossier that we've, you know, read through. But what would be some of the signs of grief that we could see some behaviors um, and how might they show up differently in different age children? So like, what are we looking at? If we're working with preschool children, what might we see with elementary or primary school children? And then maybe with the teenagers, if you want to kind of delve into those. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's, it's really important that we understand the developmental stage of a child as well as their chronological age. Because, you know, when we talk about say a seven-year-old or a 14-year-old, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that their developmental stage necessarily matches their age. That's just an important thing to point out as a starter um, because all the information that we offer to young people around grief and bereavement and loss 
um, it's, it's important that it, it matches where they're at, kind of working with them as an individual. Um, so, you know, kind of starting from preschoolers, um, zero to four years, they will take uh, a lot of explanation very literally. Um, and also zero to four year olds can experience what, what we refer to as magical thinking, which is when they feel that their own wishes or um, something that they've hoped for has actually changed the reality in their world around them. So younger children are a lot more likely to experience guilt as a result. Um, you know, for, for example, um, perhaps if they've had a fallout with someone or um, something with a more negative tone has, has happened before um, a loss, then they will be much more likely to think that they have perhaps caused a death or um, been involved in that in some way. Um, and younger children are a lot more likely to act out their feelings through behavior and play. And they are also much more likely to um, show curiosity and to ask questions over and over again. So really kind of over that younger age range, there will be uh, lots of questions, there will be confusion, and um, they may need explanations kind of provided over and over before, before they really have a, a true understanding. Um, and as we kind of move up the age range, um, five to eight-year-olds, that sort of developmental age, it's where nightmares may begin. Um, they may see death as something that's a lot more scary. Um, beginning to understand that death is something that is forever and that people um, don't come back once once they've died um, and moving kind of nine to twelve years they will start to those those children in the, in that age range they will have much more vocabulary to be able to express feelings um, but they may need to be encouraged to do so um, but in terms of risk taking behavior that's really much more prominent in the teenage years um so much more likely to see things like risky behavior drug taking um and within the kind of range of 13 to 18 years you've got this combination of the the turmoil and the changes that are already happening in adolescence plus an unexpected event so that's, that's much more likely to manifest itself in, um, in, in behavior that maybe doesn't conform into society. Um, so you can really see some strong patterns in terms of developmental stages and what might manifest. Um, and that, yeah, that there, will be, there will be some changes, especially coming into the teenage years. All right, thank you so much. That's a great, and I love that first I, um, you know, note that you said, okay, um, Chronological age does not meet developmental age, and that's yeah. kind of across the board. And we need to re really consider that each individual is just that an individual. So yeah. thank you very yeah, much. Exactly. All right. Yeah. So what is kind of the most important thing that we can do for a bereaved child? Yeah, it's a great question, um, and I think there's, there's a lot of myths and um, some kind of things that parents or professionals might do with really good intentions 
um, you know, the sort of language that we use with young people when we're talking about loss and bereavement. Um, for example, saying that someone um, has passed and they're now a star up in the sky or, you know, something that young people actually might misinterpret and, and take very literally. Um, especially if we're thinking about young people with additional needs or kind of as I've just referred to um, younger children and that may actually result in further fear um, and not not really result in, um, in in how we want to support them so in terms of the most important things for bereaved children it's really important to give them age-appropriate information and um, and also addressing any fears and anxieties that may come up. So I know that in the example that you've mentioned, um, that young person is demonstrating a fear of the other parent dying, um, because one one has. And I think it's important to sort of normalise that, um, and and to say that it's a that's a very typical reaction within the kind of four to eight um, year developmental stage. Um, but to, to really acknowledge and address that fear for a young person and to make sure that, that that is heard for them rather than kind of trying to brush it under the carpet or say, you know, kind of just saying, oh, well, don't be silly or don't worry or, you know, of course I'm, of course I'm not going to die just because mummy has or whatever, whatever the, the reaction might be. Um, and to, to really kind of say, well, I, you know, I can understand why um, you might feel that way, but actually I'm, I'm well and healthy at the minute and I'm, I'm doing everything that I can to stay well and healthy. And I hope to um, live until an older age. Um, and it's, it's important that children understand that actually death is a natural and inevitable part of, of life. And we're in this kind of cyclical pattern where everything that is alive does eventually die. So that's the, the kind of factual and also consistent approach that we want to take when we're conveying that information. And um, that actually um, we do all die, um, but that, you know, that, that, that we are taking actions to stay healthy as much as we possibly can. And that's different from telling children that they will never die or that you yourself will never die. Um, and, and also that there are, there are some quite unhelpful, um, you know, TV shows or cartoons that children may see where they see um, characters coming back from, from death. And also that, you know, that's quite unhelpful in terms of a, a mismatch between that and, and reality. Um, so it's, it's important that children begin to understand that death is, isn't a temporary um, separation. Um, and that actually, you know, um, if they've lost a, a very close family member, that that family member isn't going to come back but that doesn't mean that we can't remember them in, in positive ways and that we can't have ways within um, our family of keeping their memory alive. And that's a really important distinction to make, I think, um, because grief is a, is a process that, that we all experience at some point. And I think supporting young people with the emotions that, that come up with grief um, in, a, in a healthy way 
is, is a really, really important part of um, support that you can offer them. Um, so there's opportunities to remember people who have died. Um, really, really important, whether that's through creative activities, whether it's having a memory jar or a memory box or, you know, maybe writing things that you would have wanted to say to the person who has died um, or creating a, a bracelet um, or a piece of jewellery where you can have different beads that represent different memories. There's lots of really nice ways of um, being able to remember people who have died and loads of amazing resources out there either via charities or things that you can find online um, but I think that the being heard is so important and reassuring children that they're they're not to blame for um, a person's death and young, young children feeling that their the emotions that they're experiencing have been validated um, and you know, acknowledging that as a parent or uh, even as a professional, you, you may be finding um, the process of grief and bereavement difficult yourself. Um, but modeling, you know, sadness, modeling the, the expression of emotion um, and, and saying that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to, to, for this to be a process that takes time. Um, and building those ways of, of remembering um, people who have died as, as a part of that. I think, I think that's a really healthy framework. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, so let's add in this yoga and mindfulness component now. How can these yeah. practices be helpful when we're working yeah. with loss and grief? And what are some specifics that are things that we can do as, you know, as kids yoga instructors, as parents who... Who have found you know relief in our own practices and that type of thing so how can we make these kids um, child appropriate yeah so starting with mindfulness you know just to kind of um say a little bit about what mindfulness is because you can have a yoga practice without it being mindful or you know you can you can be teaching yoga or practicing yoga without really understanding the true components of mindfulness um, so if we understand mindfulness as being present for whatever's going on um, with kindness and without judgment and trying to bring greater awareness to our bodily sensations our emotions our thoughts um, and uh, being present with those without trying to shut them out so, you know, I've just touched on kind of um, the healthy outlet of emotion and, and being with that as a, as a parent or a carer um, or, in, you know, indeed a teacher or professional of any kind. So I think that the mindfulness practices um, that are potential and possible during the process of grief are really about connecting to yourself in a way which is going to be grounded and also um, experiencing a shift from overwhelm of your thoughts and feelings to maybe you know a, a, a practice of understanding that you may have these thoughts or you may have these overwhelming feelings but you don't necessarily have to um, 
go with them all the time or you don't necessarily um, have to feel overwhelmed by them all the time. It's possible to find the space in between those thoughts. Um, so for example, um, one nice, just a simple, you know, breath practice, inviting young people to use their breath as their anchor, inviting them to um, take their breath into their belly, um, simply just pausing, uh, taking a moment of space, connecting with their hands over their belly, and then just inviting um, a, a sense of curiosity about what comes up um, from, from that practice. Um, I think it's, it's really important to go into all mindfulness practices with um, curiosity and um, supporting children to notice how they feel, what they observe, um, and and connecting them back to their bodies in a time at which the thoughts might feel like they're going a million miles an hour. Um, so it's, it's definitely very, very helpful to, to ground. It's definitely very, very helpful to use the breath as an anchor. And in terms of, you know, the more physical asana, the yoga postures, um, I think anything with both feet on the ground, I mean, we're talking about very, very simple techniques here. So mountain posture, um, inviting a young person to feel um, what it's like in their body to be tall um, and upright like a mountain um, and noticing, just bringing their attention back to their feet, noticing the contact between their feet and the floor. Um, taking the attention down to the ground, you know, in, in any way that we can offer really. So some of the other, the other standing postures as well will, will be really helpful. So um, the warrior postures. Um, and I, I think it's, it's really important to um, approach a young person as an individual. So for example, faster paced sun salutations for some young people who are feeling anxious and getting their heart rate up a little bit to to get back into their bodies is going to be really really helpful um, not because we want to distract them from sensations but um, as a way of kind of reconnecting them with mind body breath um, and and teaching that as a as a sequence um understanding how we can move with with every inhale and exhale um and you know kind of it's it's making sure that that they understand their connection to the ground so maybe getting the heart rate up a little bit moving through some standing postures and then coming down because i think sometimes there's a, a misconception that we want to take young people who are um having a tricky time straight into a relaxation and sometimes um, that's helpful and some young people might be ready to go straight into that and that's what they need in that moment. But sometimes um, they're not, they're not ready straight away. They're not ready to engage in a body scan or, you know, other forms of Shavasana or relaxation that we may offer. So I think the, 
um, connection to the breath, understanding the yoga postures, which are going to be appropriate. Most of the time it's going to be with both um, feet on the ground. It's going to be things like Tadasana, Warrior, um, you know, maybe yeah. something a bridge pose as well is, is, is going to be helpful perhaps towards the end of that sequence and then guiding them into some kind of body scan um, moving slowly through different parts of the body um, and also adopting mindfulness as an opportunity uh, for a bit of a mind shift so you know um, noticing the, the positive events or the positive things that happen for us, to us, on a daily basis, um, but not only the event, an opportunity to notice the sensations that accompany that, um, what you're feeling in your body, um, what kind of thoughts you're having, the emotions that that, that brings about. So just um, encountering that shift from, you know, whether it's anxiety, sadness, overwhelm, to, to that sense of the things that happen for us um, in a very routine day-to-day -day way and um, what we can notice about those that's, um, that's, that's positive and gets us into our, into our body, really. Yeah, I love that. So it sounded like you were talking about a lot of like root chakra type work, right? Reconnecting, yeah. grounding, all, working all, on all. You're safe, you're good, be in the present moment, you know, and yes, grieve and, and remember and honor and celebrate what, what was, but also to be looking forward and, and yeah. celebrate what is in this moment and, um, and finding the good things about life in this moment. Um, so there's a yeah. lot going on there. That's, that's a, a hefty order, but I, I really appreciate all, the, all those aspects that you've, you've addressed with your comments today. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. So this brings us to, you know, this is some of the things we should do and be looking to do. What might be a few things that would be contraindicated? Like what? It's like, oh, you might not want to quite go there. Um, watch for these things. If this happens, you know, back off. Um, mm. What are maybe some contraindications? Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I guess, you know, when we normally talk about contraindications, it's, it's normally linked with kind of physical conditions or physical limitations, you know, things like asthma or epilepsy or other um, physical things that young people might be going on. But this is really um, altogether different scenario, isn't it? So it's not a kind of one size fits all um, approach. And I think this is this comes down to really knowing what the individual is ready for. So I think it comes back to the age appropriate information. Um, I think it comes down to the young person's emotional literacy skills um, and how best they're going to um, understand their own feelings and have those validated. Um, and I think in, in terms of anything that's, that's going to be really, really damaging, um, it's, it's about the language that you're using and something which, you know, may not have um, a huge reaction or response from a young person at first, but actually it's, it's kind of um, their, their understanding of uh, loss and bereavement and death in the long term will be affected by 
your language and, and your approach. Um, and I think sometimes with the best intention in the world, we think that if we, if we offer out lots and lots and lots of um, tools or activities or yoga postures for young people, and that can be really supportive. But actually, in this sort of situation, we as the adult, you know, we are the intervention and how much we are modeling um, healthy demonstration of emotion and um, again just the the use of the language that's that's so so crucial um, I mean you you're not I think if you're focusing on the grounding in terms of yoga and mindfulness um, and and bringing a young person back to the present and anything where you've got feet on the floor using a breath as an anchor um, you can't really go too far wrong. You certainly don't want to be doing anything um, which is going to put more pressure on a young person or create more stress um, in their nervous system in, in that present moment because we know that they're, they're already going to have a lot going on and we, that the, really, the aim is to try and bring their nervous system back into balance. So you, you don't you certainly don't want to be introducing anything which is significantly new or anything which is significantly physically challenging. Um, you want to be kind of using activities, um, language around yoga and mindfulness, which may already be familiar to them. Um, so it's certainly not the time to to be to be teaching anything drastically new. Um, but like I've said, it's not, you can't really go too far wrong if you've got a focus on being in contact with the ground, understanding age appropriate um, language, modeling um, supportive and uh, emotionally friendly grief behavior as an adult, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which, which often I'm, I'm making it sound like it's it's quite straightforward and, and easy but of course when you're experiencing grief it's not you know it's not and and you're going to have times when when you react um and you're going to have times where you just don't want to get into a difficult conversation with your child or a child about um about grief in that time because you're you're already feeling too much and I think, it, you know, it's so important to acknowledge when that's the case and when you need, as a parent, for example, when you need another supportive adult um, around, whether that's another family member or whoever else to, to maybe take over in that situation. And for children to see that sometimes, you know, mummy's not ready to have this conversation right now or can she come back to you because you just asked her a really difficult question. I think all of that is really healthy and sometimes we're scared of doing that because we, uh, we want to know, we want to provide all the answers. Um, we want to be there for our child and be able to help and be a fixer all the time. So I think there's just, you know, there's little habits that we can watch and that's true all the time, isn't it? But particularly in this kind of situation. Um, so that's what I would say really for the contraindications. Okay. Fabulous. Well, this has been really great, um, just talking about how to support kids, what to look for, um, the kind of the, a little bit of the process of grief, 
and then the the tools of grounding, watching our language, using invitational language, checking in with ourselves to see that <laughs> we're handling things um, the best that we can, and being really real and honest with children in a in a responsive, compassionate way. Yeah, for sure. That's a great summary. <laughs> All right. Where can people find you if they want to follow up with you or or where are some resources that they might find more on this topic? Yeah, sure. Okay. So my website is uh, yogawithsally.co.uk. I'm on Facebook as Yoga with Sally as well. Um, And in terms of resources, you know, I really want to signpost because there are some fantastic and information sources and resources out there, particularly through charities. So in the UK, we have a charity called Winston's Wish. Um, so, and I'm sure some of those resources will be available online. Um, and they've got some really nice practical activities about, you know, for example, making a beaded bracelet, um, making a wish jar. Um, so that's a, that's a really, really fantastic resource as well. Um, and in terms of other helpful organizations, I mean, there's, there's tons, bereavement support for young people, there's Child Bereavement UK, there's Childline, but I definitely think Winston's Wish is the main one I would, um, I would signpost people to at this point. Yeah. Fabulous. Thank you. I don't know Winston's Wish, so I'm going to go check it out for sure. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so thank you very much. It's a delight to chat with you today. And thank you so much. We've uh, coordinated time zones and done this whole thing. And, you know, yeah. I'm in Canada and you're in England. And I'm, I love technology that allows us to do this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it was all very seamless and easy, wasn't it? I mean, it, it worked. was. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it Straight worked. Forward. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today and I wish you all the best. So you're so welcome. Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you. And to all of our community out there, those who are watching, those who are listening, thank you for your time and for your attention. If someone you know has come to mind while you've been listening to this episode, please pass it along to them and share the amazing information that Sally has shared with us today. And we always appreciate support of the podcast through a rating review or a donation. This is a labor of love and we love, I, I love doing it, um, but it is, um, there are costs involved. And so anything that you can do to help promote the show, whether it's through sharing in the community or through donation, you know, my heart, thank you very, very much. So this has been the Yoga in My School podcast. My name is Donna Freeman. Namaste.